Shut up and sit down. Everybody my age pees their pants. It's the coolest. You ain't cool unless you pee your pants. Woke up today, feeling kind of good. Gonna take my whip out for a ride around my hood. Before I leave the house, I clean up my ride. I make it shine so bright, it's got me feeling full of pride. I head out the door with music in my ears, put my foot on the pedal, and it releases. You are jamming to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. When you are done listening to this, I want you to leave footprints in the sands of time. So stop dragging your feet. Life I live, spreading passion through my bike. I got a lot to give. Sessions with the homies, that's all I need. Not the money, the fame, or to get on TV What a good day, I couldn't hate it if I tried Riders mount up, and homie, let's ride Are you sure this is safe? As sure as I'm a doctor professor Let's ride Let me by my side Mark Twain gives this sound advice. Learn to ride a bicycle. You'll not regret it if you live. Hold on. What did he actually mean there? Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake Vondering, and I'm here with Evan Price. How's it going, folks? I feel like I, you know, it's like I'm gone for so long, and I come back, and I'm so excited to be back on, and it's just these long, long times away. I need shorter times away. But here, nobody's drinking anything here except for Jake has got his coffee. I'm going to have to grab his seltzer water here in a second. And Mr. Legrand is drinking a... I'm drinking a coffee, but I might also have to sneak out and get like a seltzer water of some sort because that's what we do here. Me and Matt will race to see who can get the seltzer water first. We could do that. We could race. Mm -hmm. To Evans, I guess is right because he's on a monitor. That's true. We're looking at him. Uh, Uh Mr. Matt Legrand. What's up, ladies and gentlemen of the internet? You guys are smelling fantastic. Nice. (laughs) Nice. <laughs> See what I did there, guys? Mix it up. Yeah, gotta mix go. it up, Price. Bit, yeah. <laughs> Don't be boring, man. <laughs> We've got a guest with us today, Elijah Ingstrom. How you doing, Elijah? Uh, I'm doing good. I totally forgot about the intros. This is Elijah's first time <laughs> on a podcast, so we're just time. throwing zingers at him this entire time to make sure that he's ready. And <laughs> Fun stuff. Thanks for coming in to join us today. We've got a few things to talk to you about, and uh, we'll jump into that in just a moment. Um, Elijah's one of the juniors on our team, and he's... Uh, Getting ready to bolt the uh, Pacific Northwest here pretty soon for the great state of Utah. But again, we'll, we'll jump into that in a moment, right? Yep, yep. Cool. All right. Um, for the backpedal, we're going to keep it short and sweet today. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually are not live streaming this week because it was just simply a chaotic week for everybody. Yeah. Way too many moving parts. And just for us to be here today, just talking to you guys, um, that was almost an act of God, but we got it figured out. So um, just real quick, let's run around the table. Matt, you want to backpedal for us real quick? Um. Pass. I don't know. I mean, I've been exercising. <laughs> everyone got, everyone got sick in our house. I haven't missed a day of exercise yet, but it's it's one of those things where um, everyone got sick in our house. wasn't COVID. We all got tested for COVID. It was not the case, and we knew it wasn't the case. Like I've been vaccinated, even though I don't usually tell a whole bunch of people about that. But it's just like one of those things where, you know, it's. Um, it was a sore throat and cough and all the things that checked all the boxes for COVID. And so we wanted to be extra careful. So uh, we had one of the kids get tested and then um, the rest of the family got it. And so a couple of us, you know, got tested yesterday. Uh, Kids have been home from school. So I've been watching them and trying to get work done. Chaotic, chaotic week as usual, but there's always something, right? Didn't, Didn't Dash have his birthday recently? Dash had a birthday. It was, uh, I know it it was awesome. 
the coolest yep. cake ever. So much rainbow stuff. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's hilarious. He's like, yeah, rainbow, yes. And so it was like rainbow, uni- it was like a rainbow unicorn slash robot themed cake. Dude, so. I love that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. That And, yep. and I, I still like my favorite Dash shirt is he has this rainbow T-Rex holding yes. A, riding a skateboard shirt. I mean, Dash is yep. just awesome. He's it's just epic stuff. He's got yeah. so much That's style. That's a dad purchase. It's so actually much style. like <laughs> 10 times bigger than him. It's It looks like he's it wearing does. a tent when he wears it. And, he'll uh, grow into it by the time he's that's, Yeah, don't worry. He'll get it. But that's the um, only size I could get with that shirt. And I like the, the pattern so much that I decided it was worth it. And he wears it all the time. And it is, there's a cat with like a laser gun with a cowboy hat riding a T-Rex. I mean, yeah. it's, it's with a whole bunch of rainbows in the background, which is, you know, he's into that. So it's there's a, just a lot going on. It's a loud, it's a loud yeah. shirt, which, it's, you know, it's, it's, just, it's all sure dash. There's, did, there's a lot of scenes going on in that shirt. Did Chester Heater get him that shirt or was that you? Um, you know, Chester is one mean mofo. So uh-huh. uh, I'm pretty sure he just gave Dash a slap on the ass when he, yeah. uh, a lump of coal. Basically birthday. gave him a lump of coal and that's it. Love yep. it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Evan, backpedal for us. All right. Well, I got. Well, I don't even remember when my last backpedal was. So, oh man, I give you like a sixty-second. What's been going on? Let me think. Okay, I don't think I've been on since I raced Galveston. I don't think so. Uh, no, we talked about it briefly, but give us a, a yeah. first-hand accounting. Cool. Let's see if I can give a sixty-second first-hand account. Mark, uh, go. It was awesome to be at a race. Period. Just to be racing was wonderful. Um, I missed it a lot, like all of us do. I'm sure when everybody gets back to their first triathlon, you just be like, wow, I missed this a ton. Um, uh, morning of, you know, I'm feeling great. I've had probably the best training build I've ever had in my life. So I'm like, just don't screw this up. So I almost screwed it up naturally as one does when you go into an A race. And, um, I was bummed out the morning of, because the temperature was like half a degree over where we get to wear wetsuits as the pros. So, no wetsuit, uh, ocean swim, and 20-mile-an-hour winds in the morning. So I was like, couldn't build a least perfect swim for myself if I tried. So we get in the water. There's a ton of us. Uh, it's like a 40-person start, roughly, is how many guys showed up. And it's chaos from the start. And to be honest, I got panicked in the water and struggled. Uh, stayed with the group to the first turn buoy, the back group, and then just got dropped because I need to work on my swim, which I am doing religiously now. Um, got off uh, out of the water. I did not race with a watch until the run. I didn't even want to know what the time was. I knew it wasn't good. Came out and just started working on the bike. I felt great all day on the bike, worked my way up through the field and realized that when you're not with a group and you don't get to draft, your power profile might look better than guys who biked faster than you, but they got to draft. So you're going to be going slower than them. So would that be one of the things that would explain um, a pretty big difference between yours and Lionel Sanders' times? You know, um, guy, average guy, speed guys like Lionel are like aliens, so I, I don't even include them. I, was he still – He I was. Mean, he was yeah, still was, so working the draft a little bit. He though, did yeah. the lion's share of the work in that group, but okay. a good example would be a guy like Joe Skipper who didn't take mm-hmm. poles in that group and was flying. Now, Joe's a great cyclist, yeah. uh-huh. but Joe's not Lionel or Sam Long, so – the you only know. reason that Lionel had a faster time than you is because he was in those packs. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Christ, we'll, there's just we'll, no way. We'll pretend like I can put up 400 watts for an hour. No, <laughs> yeah. that's so the, the 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 guys I look at are guys in that mid pack that I know I'm just as strong as a cyclist of, and they're going four minutes faster in their bike split than me. That is drafting. That's just bar none. That is drafting. When you're going to a 20 mile an hour headwind and you're only 10 meters behind somebody, you're getting a big draft. Yeah. We've all been there before. You're getting a large draft. Sure. 
what's so, the actual rule? Is it like two bike lengths or like? So I think ten meters is considered three. So three it's like lengths? they need a twenty meter draft zone. The only way yeah. that it can be fair is if you have a twenty meter draft zone. And there are guys in those mid groups that I race against, and I know, and they're good guys, but they sit in a draft and they don't take poles. So yeah, I mean, there's there was an Ironman that's smart a few years ago. I think my mom my mom did uh, Ironman Texas. And yeah, yeah. When she was done with it, she said there was. There was groups of pros, like just in, yeah. in huge packs, like not even three bike length packs. Oh, These yeah. Are like, you got like 20 guys just like, like 20 guys, up. like yeah. not in an ITU pack, but like. Yeah. And, and, and anybody who's ever done a really hard bike to run workout knows if you're putting out 240 watts versus 310 watts, uh, that's a big difference on your run legs when you get there. Yep. So I was very happy with where my fitness was. My swim's got to get better so I can come out with a group, basically. Uh, but I jumped off the bike somehow feeling okay. And for the first time in my life, I ran close to what Clay MG ran, which is has been my hero in the sport for a long time. The guy's got a family, full-time job, and he was fifth at Galveston um, in 2019 and is just an absolute champ. So to even be running ballpark close to where he was and he put some time into me the last lap um, was just awesome. So there were great moments. I got to meet and talk to some guys I look up to that are great pros in the sport. Uh, got to see Lionel Sanders pass me on his very last lap, about a couple hundred meters from the finish. And? And I gave him a little <laughs> congratulatory pat on the backside as he came really? by me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I think when I'm 80 years old, that's probably gonna be like the one story I tell from my triathlon career is be like, yeah, Lionel Sanders once passed me in a race and I tapped him on the butt to make sure that he was, you know, like ready to ready for his finished photo. I haven't watched If you're telling your grandkids yeah. that, that's going to be very weird. That's it. <laughs> 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 so it was, you know, I, I ran as absolutely good as I could have. Uh, my, the, the course was a little long. So my actual half marathon split was in the one fifteens, which was the, about as good as I could have hoped for. Um, and now the goal is just to go faster over the next bit. So it's, it's, it, it's been a fun build and finally something happened where I get to show fitness for a second. So it's a good when, trip. When's your next race? Exactly. My question is in well. Des Moines, Iowa, June 25th, I believe. And that's an Ironman half, event? half, half Ironman. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Ironman Des Moines. So, yep. Excellent. There's the back. 58, pedal. 59, 60. Perfect. 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 I mean, it was like three minutes. I just watched a clock, but <laughs> Elijah, you've done some racing recently. You've I actually got to do racing. a pretty cool crit and you got to do a pretty cool time trial series. Why don't yeah. you tell us about both of those? Yeah. So, uh, I did the majestic crit down, uh, in LA a couple weeks ago during spring break. Um, our family stayed in Palm Springs and then we just went out for the weekend, drove to LA and did that race. That was pretty fun. Uh, it was my first crit ever. And I'll tell you, it was an experience. There was crashing and there was, there was some Ju cool pros there. And junior was, crits, man. That's like the world's most dangerous place <laughs> on a bicycle is a junior yeah. crit. No, it wasn't just like just juniors. It was it everybody was, was crashing. Well, it was the it was the young juniors too. So it was fourteen through eighteen. Gotcha. Was, okay. So was, you were racing against fourteen year olds? I was racing against fourteen. Oh my goodness. Well, it, there was two separate categories, but they merged them together. Okay. And this and this was a pretty stacked crit, right? I mean, there are some it, pretty it, strong teams here, there, right? There was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole crit in general was super stacked, but the juniors the juniors category as well. There were some pretty big teams there. Um so yeah, that happened. I mean I I you want me to tell you like how the race went? Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Give us a quick recap. Uh, yeah, it was uh, I think seven or eight lap crit. I think it was one point two or one point three miles. It was in uh, like a industrial area, um, and so 
It's my first crit ever. We started going, did a couple laps pretty fast. I just had no clue what I was. I've been I've been watching YouTube videos for years. Yep. Like NorCal <laughs> cycling. Have you guys NorCal? Oh yeah, ton of crit videos on NorCal. Him. So I know how to do it textbook. I know when to get into the lead out and everything like that. Um, but I was racing by myself, so it comes into a few laps to go. I fight for position, and then one lap to go, I'm in like fifth fifth wheel so i was in perfect position nice. on group was lined out by this point yeah yeah i was on the uh team swift which is a devo team down in um la i was on their lead out train and of course there was like two crashes the last lap people were flying you could hear carbon forks snapping or whatever oh, and uh yeah. so we got to the final lap and i was in perfect condition for the final sprint i uh, get on the lead out and i sprint past him and then uh, I get sprinted past by there, one other guy. Your dad took an awesome video of it, actually. He yeah. really did. Yeah, you guys were – that That was great sprint te- – there were some good sprint techniques there in there for some, juniors. There yeah, really yeah, were. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Did I, you just jump a little too soon? Is that what happened? Or honestly, no? I jumped at the perfect time. Uh, I was in the lead last, like, 20 feet, and then he passed me by, like, a foot maybe. So I wouldn't have done anything different maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like – Maybe have some teammates there for a better lead-out train. <laughs> maybe, honestly, it was it was a pretty good lead-out train. I used it like to my advantage, but maybe put out more power next time. I don't know. Yeah. Train a little bit better. Hey, so, no, the, the, I mean, for that being your first crit, that's yeah. just next time you're like, you're just going to be faster because you now have experience yeah, in a crit. Yeah. The, uh, the kid who beat you, do you remember his name and you want to tell us who his coach is? Yeah, so I, don't, I think his name was Kevin. I don't know his last name, but he's Kevin. my age. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he was 18 as well. Um, and his coach is Chaz Terman. I don't know if anybody yeah. knows him. Yeah. Oh my the gosh, Chaz cyclist. is his coach. Yeah. yeah. That so, is too. Yeah. Chaz Terman, for anybody who doesn't know, is very fast at bicycling. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. So he, Chaz has his own YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and he posted this whole race on there because <laughs> evidently the kid had a GoPro on. Elijah, you want to pick up from oh, there? Oh, I need to yeah, see this so, now. So the title of it was like perfect lead out perfect sprint but he was talking about his his athlete kevin yeah yeah uh and so kevin had a gopro on this whole time i didn't see it on or anything like that but during the whole race <clears throat> he was just showing his ta- tactics and techniques and everything and we go into the final lap and he breaks it down like second by second just kind of like what norcal cycling does yeah he has the arrows on the screen pointing to where he should go and we're going in the last probably 300 meters. And I pop out into the screen right in front of him. And he's like, he pauses right here. I was number 608, but it looked like 809 because I had my number on backwards. <laughs> so he's like, <laughs> he points an arrow to him. He's like, you're going to, he's, he uses this kid 809 in the orange kit. Uh, and like to get on, he gets on his wheel, which was me. Yeah. My wheel. Yeah. And so he plays it and he's like, this is looking perfect. And he just uses this kid. He kept saying that over and over. And he's like, he uses this kid. I'm like, wow. Like so used right now. <laughs> and so I sprint past him and then it's showing my sprint. And and then his, him just like blew past Just blow him. <laughs> and then you can hear him like scream and like put his hands up or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that is awesome. Cool. Hey man, so Dial just made a chess tournament video. That's pretty big. Yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah. we're big time now. Not very often, yeah. And not only that, as you could tell too, a very special, uh, pretty elite crit racer also got to talk to you afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So it was a it was a USAC sanctioned race down in LA. So of course all the big teams were coming. Like Lux was there, uh, Legion was there. So those are the only two teams that I know of. Oh, I think Mike Spike's pro team was there mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and so. 
of course, Legion was the big name there. They had a, uh, a tent up there. They had super nice cars. Um, but yeah, Justin and Corey, Justin is the national champ. Mm -hmm. I believe then Corey is the California state champ. Uh, they both took one and two at the pro race. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Their lead out is insane. They have, have you ever watched their videos? I mean, they, they're, if you ever want to watch somebody know sprinting technique, Justin's sprinting technique is insane. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For such a big body too. Big guys. Yeah. So I got to meet them after the race, talk to them and it was super cool. He's like, how'd you do in the, how'd you do in the race? I was like, I took second. He's like, man, that's awesome. That's super cool. I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. My dad got a video of it and everything. So, yep. That's well played cool. it's yeah. awesome because we've been talking about legion all year now we have somebody on the team that actually like yeah. came into yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cool and then you just did another race this past week if i'm not mistaken that was the deschutes valley yeah the deschutes river valley time trial gotcha uh, it's according to them that they know of it's the only time trial stage race in the country i've never heard of one so yeah it's so be. it's it's a yeah. three stage all of them are time trials different formats of course there was a 26 mile tt uh an eight mile hill climb and then another 47 mile tt 47 mile time trial yeah so that hurts it, it did hurt and then <laughs> being in the deschutes area it was super windy yep i was just gonna say windy. so uh the 26 mile one went good i think i took like sixth or seventh around there but sixth or seventh in what category or is that overall overall, overall oh. yeah but it was, it was a pretty stacked race i mean mm-hmm. uh did ben end up winning Snodgrass? He did not win. I think he took fifth. Wow. Did he, he blow up in the last time trial? No, no. He did not blow up. There was some very, very Time trial specific guys there. Yes. Hitters, I don't yeah. Know yeah. If Rob Tornay from. Rob Tornay, yep. He's solid. He I used to race fast. against Rob all the time. Yep. He, then, did he win? Uh, He might have gotten first or Greg second. Greg Steele was there too. Greg Steele was mm-hmm. there as well. Yeah. So here's a question for you Were you on a time trial bike or were you on your road bike? I was on the T- my dad's TT bike for the. The two long longer ones, trials. Okay. and then I rode my road bike up the hill climb. And okay. yeah, I could tell you, like, riders from 20 feet away could hear my bottom bracket, like, just coming up <laughs> right behind them, like, creak, that's <laughs> on the hill climb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was fun. I think I overall I took seventh, which honestly I'm really proud of. I wanted a podium, but uh, after getting there and seeing the, the, <laughs> who, the who caliber of the racers there, I'm really yeah. happy. And, Beat some people I wanted to beat. Got close to Snockgrass, which was that's good. Nice, which that's is, good, man. Yeah, Snockgrass well is no joke. Yep. Cool. Anything else? Um, no, that's that's about it. I'm in recovery week, so nice. I, I would Need be it. too after those long Absolutely. time trials. Cool. <laughs> it's a lot of time trialing. Yeah, I don't really have anything to report for this past week, other than it was a fun, a uh, really fun flogging ride that we did last week. Mm-hmm. Um, those just every week they just get better and better. We've got more and more people showing up. I think this coming week is going to probably be very well could be our biggest one. If I'm not mistaken, we might even have over 50 people. We'll see. And three groups, three solid groups, an A, B, and C group. So Mm -hmm. it's really good for everybody that's. I'm glad that C group's growing. That's really cool to see that grow. We might even be adding a D group. No joke. Yeah. And because we've got some um, some women that are wanting to come out and they're just a little bit nervous and tentative. And I want to make this just straight novice and mm-hmm. tell them that they can go race pace if they want or just get to the, the use it as a group right together. Group, yeah. Yep. And then all the way down to the, the A group um, race pace. And that has just been a blast. So we've been <laughs> yeah. turning ourselves inside out pretty well. So fun, fun, fun. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. Um, we're not going to do any of the other stuff this past week, except for I do want to do a quick lead out news because. Uh, 
you know, we don't have Champ here, so he's not going to blabber on too long, right? Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> we can cut the podcast by an hour without Champ here. <laughs> just, we're just going to toss out a couple winners. Did you guys watch uh, the Age Best on the Age? Absolutely. Well, I, I watched the last, mm, let's say, 40K of it or something like yeah, that. I think yeah, I only watched like, the last trainer. 10K. So. Yeah, yeah. Man, that was... Uh, Amazing, yeah. Pogaccia just... She's... God, he's I thought, strong. Just watching how that all shaped up for the finish, I'm like, oh, Alaphilippe's got this. Yeah. He's got it in the bag. Oh, and all of a sudden, Pogaccia, he threw it down. He the, just... But, I mean, clear favorite for the Tour de France, in my opinion. There's, I mean, Roglic, sure, but Pogaccia just showed right there that that's... I mean, to to go against Alaphilippe in his specialty, that, that finishes yeah. Alaphilippe. That's Alaphilippe oh, yeah. written all over yeah. it. Is this the highlight where... I, I saw one highlight on Flow Bikes where they were just mm-hmm. climbing up a hill. It was Alaphilippe and someone else, and then he just passes Alaphilippe on the uphill. Like it was Pogaccia, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I saw that. that and crazy. he's... Oof, I mean, God, if you have that kind of finishing strength right now... And you, you we already know he's capable of handling a three-week tour. Yeah. And he's got that kind of finishing strength right now. Yeah. Well, I'm terrified if I'm Roglic. Roglic is... It, it's funny to read these articles because people are like, they're like, Roglic's legs are missing. I'm like, okay, the guy was in, he missed one big move and he's having to try and drag the group up himself. Yeah. He just missed one move. It's not, I mean, it's, yeah. I wouldn't be like, Roglic is still, it's him and Pogaccia, yeah. but yeah. But let me ask you a question with Pogaccia. Yeah. Do you think he might be a little too sharp a little too soon? That that's a great question because there is the old adage that you know if you win um, going back to a regular season if you win Perry Nice mm-hmm. you never win the tour because yeah. you look sharp at Perry Nice you're going to lose but Pogacar I think is a little different I think he's proven he can win the tour he was sharp last year but sneaky or sharp like yeah. he, he he or last year yeah, twenty whatever year but. I cannot tell you how excited I am for the Tour de France this year. Oh, there are going to be, be awesome. so many big names there, and I yep. know that you're already talking about Pogaccia running away with this, but I it's well, it's Ineos, not a foregone conclusion. Ineos will come in hammering because yeah. Ineos and Liège Bastogne Liège looked the best team yeah. by far. Well, no, they looked the best team. UAE has the best two. Yeah. David, um, for oh geez, Formala, Formala, the guy who was in the last move with Pogaccia uh-huh. from UAE. Yeah, is going to be the best domestique on the day. Um. Sep, if Sep comes in with his A fitness, him and Roglic, you got Enios. I still truly believe Mike Woods can be absolutely up there. Dude, in the he tour. was so close. He's good. So like, close. Mike Woods on. is one good luck week away from being on the podium in the Tour de France. Yeah. He needs good luck, and that's it. He's on yeah. the Israel startup nation, right? Mm-hmm. If he had a better team. Yeah. It cracks me up that people are like, is Froome going to lead at the Tour de France? Uh, me, no. even being a huge Froome fan last year, absolutely not. If you look at. I mean, compare them side by side. Sure, Chris Room had what one breakaway in the Tour of the Alps. Yeah. Alps, whatever. Mike Woods in Liège, best on Liège proves he's the guy. Yeah. The and end. they've been. I mean, granted, yeah, he was coming back from an injury, but how long now have they been saying, "Oh, Chris Froome is working back. He's getting back his fitness. He's still yeah. trying to get his. But he's not there yet. He's working on it. He's Chris Froome. If he hasn't worked it back in six months, it's not going to happen. Uh-huh. Like uh-huh. Yeah. a never-ending buildup. Exactly. Yeah, it's just uh-huh. this never-ending. But and here's the thing is. If he retires and his best fitness was what we look back at as the 2000, what, let's say 12 to 16 era or whatever, yeah. that's fine. I mean, that was an yeah. amazing era. He, was, he goes down as one of the greatest Grand Tour cyclists ever, Yep, pop, top 15 probably ever. Yeah, it, He's not going to return to that. I mean, he's probably and, – and this is me recanting what I've said before, but he's not going to return to that level. Even injury aside, I think that we probably wouldn't see him – doing it without the injury now i mean yeah. i just he's getting a little long in the tooth and i think that there's other guys on that team that are um going to be stronger like mike woods so. absolutely absolutely all right um were there any other quick races that you wanted to throw some uh 
kudos to um uh, coming up this weekend we have the saint george uh 70.3 for triathlon world which is going to be just an absolute banger of a pro race between the men and women and we have the the one race i'm watching more than anybody is our own josh monda racing the amateur field which is there's going to be a lot of fast amateurs there it's going to be almost like a sub elite race for sure there um, and he's got the capability to be right up there. So it'll be fun to watch him being a good friend uh, yeah. and even kind of a colleague to a certain degree aside, mm-hmm. what are the odds of Josh landing on the podium of the amateur race? Yeah. I mean, be, be straight. You know, that race, you know, who's going to show up. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh's fitness. God, he's fast right now. He's got a 25% chance of landing in the top three. You think so? Me as a completely me as his friend, 75% chance because yeah. I've seen Josh, <laughs> suffer through workouts and hang with me in workouts that he had no business hanging with. Yeah. And that is me and Josh are always completely honest with each other where our fitness is. I've done track workouts where Josh shouldn't have been where he was running and he's capable of it. So when he locks into a moment, which he's put all his eggs in St. George right now, he's going to go fast. Yeah. Especially if he is around the guys, he's not going to get beat. Like if he's a, if he's in the last five K with somebody that he knows is an amateur like yeah. elite, the then he's come out. Yeah, yeah, yep. he's 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 gonna beat him. So I'll put it at twenty five because this is gonna be such a stacked amateur field. He'll be top twenty. Yeah. No, that's a tough course. How does he do with uh, a little bit tougher of a course? The course, in my opinion, favors him because it's a real grinders course. Um, this the climbs are not terribly steep, so he's not gonna get. He's he's a bigger guy, but he's not gonna get dropped on the steady climb through Snow Canyon. And I think they might have changed the course a little bit. So gotcha. Um. The bike course will favor him. He will hopefully swim well because it'll be wetsuit. And then the run is just a it's just nothing but up and down the entire time. Gotcha. Which you gotta be a strong runner to do that. Cool. So well, is, the, is the bike steady climb or is it rolling? Uh Snow Canyon's a very steady climb. Gotcha. So so it's like a four percent for a super long time. Oh, yeah. Man. And then a long descent back home. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, you wanna say it? Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Champ out. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well played. Cool. Let's move on to our topic for the day. Um, this is kind of something that I think a lot of people are maybe kind of scratching their head on. Maybe they need to go this route. The bike industry is completely turned upside down. It's decimated. There's no new bikes anywhere, right? I mean, if you can find one, it's probably going to be some super bike that's going to cost, you know, north of, you know, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars And that's just there because nobody wants to spend that much money on a bike. If you're looking for something entry level, if you're looking something even up to the moderate level, you're not going to find a lot out there right now. Components decimated too. Yeah. Components right now are rough. Yeah. You yeah. just like there's, I, I placed an order for somebody yesterday that is not going to be here until November. And we're Shit. as we record this, we're at the end of April. So that's a pretty big discrepancy. It is. And it's just been a problem, and it is what it is. I mean, there's a, a myriad of reasons as to why things are the way they are. It's kind of a perfect storm situation, but for all intents and purposes, there's nothing we can do about it. You just kind of roll with the punches, and then you have to kind of um, you know pivot. Now, there are a ton of people new to cycling. There are a ton of people who are cyclists, and there's always people that want to get new bikes. And the problem is, is they're not out there. So people are generally going to look for something now on the secondary market used markets booming. so the secondary market is a, a an interesting thing because you have a bunch of people out there that are selling bikes but in this particular situation you're not buying it from a bike shop you're buying it from some joe schmo or whatnot and mm-hmm. that person wants to get the best price that they possibly can for their bike and maybe they're not always going to be super honest with what has happened to the bike or maybe they're just a little naive as to what problems might um, arise with the bike 
And we need to maybe try and help people make better decisions as to whether or not they should purchase uh, a used bike. And if they're going to go that route, maybe give them some tips and tricks as to how they can uh, pick and choose the right bicycle for them. And that's not going to be mm-hmm. full of all kinds of problems. So the moral of the story is don't buy somebody else's problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you are, at least make sure you get the best possible price for the thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, have any of you guys ever bought a new used bike? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, when I was my first tri bike, I was in Dayton, Ohio, working, well, Lebanon, Ohio, working at a Go Fast Multi Sport uh-huh. bike shop at that time, which gave me a ton of connections and was really the only reason I was able, ever able to afford to race triathlons, is <laughs> because I worked at this bike shop and was around everybody triathlon in that region. Um, there was a guy named Cole Casey, who still to this day I, I actually kind of keep in touch with, a su- super nice guy, who uh, I think it was his wife at that time or his fiance had a tri bike a transition a specialized transition Mm -hmm. that she was not using anymore and it was actually kind of big on her which was good she she was taller but it was kind of big with her it was 56 and i got it for an absolute steal uh drove down to his house in cincinnati he let me look at it and all um i didn't even look at it online i actually just went there with a buddy of mine sure and we just looked at the bike decided it was good Bought it and I raced that thing for years. So yeah, yep, cool. Um, Elijah, you've purchased a few used bikes in your day, haven't you? Actually, I've never bought a used bike. Oh, Mister Elijah uh, also works at a bike shop. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) gets good deals at the bike shop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I I worked at a bike shop, um, a truck dealer, and so we always got deals on the on that. Um, But I have sold some used bikes. Okay, so maybe we'll we'll touch on that in just a moment. Maybe we'll come back and talk to you about some of your strategies as to okay. how you went about selling the bike. How about you, Matt? You've, uh, I know that you've yep. purchased one bike at least. How many other bikes have you purchased used? Um, I would say three, I've bought maybe three used bikes, something like that. Uh, I mean, I'm not positive of the number, but it's somewhere in that range, not a yeah. ton. I probably bought, um, a couple of used bikes and a couple of new bikes. So, uh, it's a, it's been a great experience for me. I don't have a ton of horror stories, uh, I guess my Nike, I mean, I guess my, um, Trek bike did collapse on me, but, yeah. uh, other than that, I mean, yeah, like, Matt, Matt has no horror stories except for one time no when he was going stories. downhill no, and was completely the whole bike broke, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, that was after a lot of years of usage and stuff like that, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think my, my used bike experience has been pretty solid, yeah. uh, for the most part. So yeah, cool. good so, people doing good things on the bike for sure. You know, people that are selling and buying. So yeah. Let's all assume that we're sitting here right now and we're all going to go out and buy some used bikes tomorrow. Where are you guys going to look first for a used bike? People I know. <laughs> people you know. Seriously, huh? yeah, people yeah. I know. Okay. How about you, Matt? Um, you know, as opposed, you know, I, I definitely would put out feelers with people I know. I think that's a great recommendation. Um, I think Craigslist is kind of another spot where I kind of would just peruse the listings. Um, because there are a lot of bikes there and you can sometimes find like a crazy deal. Yeah. Um, so that's, cool. a, that's, I think nice pro option. closet also is another good spot. Yeah. Yep. Pro's closet is mm-hmm. definitely a solid choice. Um, how about yeah. you, Elijah? I mean, on the pro's co- closet kind of topic, I do feel mm-hmm. like, I mean, they're more of like a, like a store, like they're not going to yeah, they might not true. have like the 
top deals maybe i mean it's definitely gonna be more expensive than going through craigslist yeah Yeah, but there's you got to know what you're looking for exactly there's value though to dealing with somebody like a pros club we'll get into that in just a moment yeah Yeah. um a couple other places that i would personally look would be facebook marketplace that's a growing marketplace that you can Mm -hmm. find a lot of bikes for sale and what's nice about that is you can actually see who you're dealing with as opposed to being blocked behind a I don't know, some crazy Craigslist cryptic email address that you have no idea what's going on. And with the Facebook Marketplace, too, it's free. And uh, people that sell on there will actually get reviews. So you can kind of see what kind of a person you're dealing with, which is kind of nice. So that's one. I mean, I'm a huge fan of OfferUp. I don't know if you guys have dealt with that often, but a lot of my sales, like purchases and sales, recently i've been off of offer up you know i used to use that um i used to post stuff there as well and i used to like look for things on there and i i feel like i just wouldn't get the response that i would want and that's not to say that maybe things have changed but the one thing that really drove me crazy about offer up is you would send somebody a message saying hey i'm interested in your bike and you would either a not hear back from them at all or maybe you would hear back from them two weeks later or like oh yeah i sold that three months ago yeah it's true i think your account goes active inactive after a little while yeah so it stops notifying people yeah that's that's a place that i probably should maybe dip dip my toe back into those waters if you will because i do work in the um the consignment bike industry a little bit here at the lab and we we post stuff all over the place and i've just opted not to do that just because i felt like it wasn't a a good use of time but maybe things have changed maybe maybe i need Mm -hmm. to check that out so but yeah those are a couple of good places um pink bike is another place um people post a lot of stuff up on pink bike and um ebay maybe but you're not always going to get the best price on ebay but sometimes you will run across a gem or maybe you'll run into a situation where you can do the auction style and maybe you'll get a screaming sweet deal on something Mm -hmm. there yeah i think i think with ebay you get because it is such a large market that you get like an honest price for what you're getting for the most part right like yeah you know that's i think it's a it's a good place you do have a lot more like for a lot of us we're looking for a very specific bike or you're looking for a tri bike or whatever it is and you you can't just go find that on craigslist you might need to find it you know you might need to dig a little bit deeper yeah um for something more specific and and ebay gives you more options that way the only thing I don't like about eBay is the fact that when people sell on eBay, there's a pretty heavy fee that you have to pay eBay to mm-hmm. sell your bike through, and you're paying eBay, and you're also paying PayPal, and that sometimes comes out to about 12%, if I'm not mistaken. Which on a $6,000 bike can be a lot, a lot of, money. of money. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you're now having to pay sales tax here in the state of Washington if you're buying used stuff from people on eBay. Correct Maybe. me if I'm, I know I'm for sure, sure, like on new products, if I were to buy something new, yeah. but I'm pretty sure even on used stuff now that Ouch. eBay automatically collects the sales tax. So now you're tacking on another eight or nine percent. Absolutely, yeah. So now you're talking about up to twenty percent that you're paying more for the bike or whatever it is that you're purchasing on there. And that for sometimes the seller is going to want to get a premium to help try and cover that. So I don't think that you're always necessarily getting the best possible deal. But like Matt said, you know what you're getting. And usually it's got a good explanation. It's got good photos and you can really break it down. You can communicate with the person and ask them questions. And then the last bit that sometimes can be a little sticky piece is the shipping component. So you've got to pay mm-hmm. then for shipping possibly if the the seller's not going to cover that. Yep. And that just adds another chunk of change just on there and then charge. you're, you're yep. dealing with a bike that shows up. Gosh, UPS and FedEx are just not nice to bikes. I've shipped bikes yeah. all over the country very often and it's probably 1 in 15 of them get there and they look like they got run over by a Mack truck. There's holes in the boxes, frames have been broken, parts have been damaged. And I always a hundred percent like basically 
take out the insurance policy for the total value of the bike because worst case scenario if something happens they'll get it covered mm -hmm. and thankfully i use a company called bike flights and they're fantastic um and the couple times i've shipped bikes they've, they've been damaged it always works out in the buyer's favor and they're always super happy and it just you know takes another week or two to get everything sorted out but in the end of the, it's it works out well you know they they get what they want and it's covered and, and they're, everybody's happy yeah That's i've good. made that mistake once i mean last year when i was selling my bike it got I, I decided not to take insurance oh. just because I was, you know, I was trying to save the 150 yeah, bucks. Yeah, yeah. trying to yep. save that money because I mean, it's a, it's a risk. I mean, they probably take care of bikes all the time. Uh -huh. <laughs> so I shipped it to New York, got lost, got sent back to us. Oh no. And then we sent it back and it was damaged. And I had to pay like 300 bucks worth of, uh, was that for the purple trek? No, that was for my gray Madone oh, two years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The purple the purple trek, we actually were trying to sell it through eBay and the fees took out like three hundred bucks. So we just uh, went we went off that, you know, had some phone calls, got to know each other, did the did the PayPal instead. Nice. So no fees with that. Tank. Yeah, so that's the first place we're going to start. Is like, all right, where do, where do we go find these? There's also a couple of the marketplaces on Facebook that you can go and check. I think mm -hmm. the Pacific Northwest Bicycle Classifieds is one, and then there's another one. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's another classified. Both of those have over 20,000 members there. And no joke, people post up stuff there, and it just flies off the shelf pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And you can also put up a, a want to buy, and you'll post up what you want. And you'd be amazed at how quickly you can find somebody that's like, hey, I've got that, and I'll sell it to you. Mm -hmm. So it's a good way to make a connection. So once you just have established what you want and where you're going to get it, the next step is like, all right, well, how do I get to know more about this bike? How do I know that I'm going to get the right price for it? Um, so there's a, a process that we call valuating. So you're going to go through a valuation of the process of the bike and you're going to determine what the bike is worth. And it, a lot of that really just boils down to the year, the make, the model, the condition. And um, you, you can kind of find it in a few different places as to what that bike's going to be worth. Mm -hmm. um, I know Elijah brought this up earlier. What do you what do you usually use when you're doing some of your uh, you're, you're getting your comps on your bike that you're trying to sell? Yeah. So in the bike shop, uh, when people want to bring in used bikes, see if we sell them. I mean, we don't sure. usually do that that often, uh, but in some cases we do. We usually use uh, bike bicycle blue book, which uh -huh. is basically just a Kelly blue book for bikes, um, and we plug in the year, the model, the group set, and it gives us a a brand new MSRP price and then it gives us a used good condition and then mm -hmm. a like terrible condition or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So that I, I actually use that as well because we do a consignment program here at the lab and mm -hmm. we have all kinds of bikes that'll come through here. Um, usually they're going to be pretty nice bikes and it's just people that are busy and don't want to go through the hassle of um, having to, you know, sell a bike and, and all the stuff that we're talking about right now. But we'll, we'll, you know, basically do comps and get them a, a good price where we think the bike's going to sell. And that's one of the places that I will check is Bicycle Blue Book. Um, notoriously, I think that that's a little bit on the low side. And I, I see bikes mm -hmm. sell all the time for quite a bit more than what's on there. And I don't know how they derive their uh, their percentages or what, what they think the bike is worth. But at the end of the day, um, I, it's generally a little bit on the low side. And you always get people that want to come buy a bike and they'll use that as a point of reference. And I'll say, well, I, I appreciate that, but that number is notoriously low. And I've been using yeah. that, that website for 10 years now. And, you know, in some cer certain situations that might be close, but for the most part, it's usually 10, 15% too low. Yeah. That's just my two cents. But buyers use it for their advantage, uh -huh. sellers disadvantage. Yeah. 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 So, um, that's definitely a place to, to start doing evaluation. And, and just like all those other places we talked about, go search all those places to see if the bike that you're 
looking at is listed on any of those places and see what other people are paying for them or what they're being sold for. And generally speaking, you know that you know what a bike's listed for and what people are willing to pay is going to be two different things. But that's mm-hmm. actually starting to change a little bit because of the demand for bikes in general. It's a seller's market, definitely. It yeah. is 100% a seller's market yeah. for everything on the face of the planet, it seems like, these days. Yeah, at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, so some other pre-purchase tips. Um, we've done the Kelly Blue Book, Bicycle Blue Book. We've talked about where you can go and look. Um, you know, Make sure that you know the exact make, model, and year, and you need to know if there have been any upgrades made to the bike. So if somebody's put on a nice set of carbon wheels or they changed it from a 105 group set to a, an Ultegra to, you know, whatever, um, Shimano Ultegra DI2 setup. I mean, those little things are going to add certain values to the bike as well. So make sure that you get to know the comps on that. And then uh, what I also suggest is um, go to the manufacturer's website and make sure that there was not a recall on that bike for any reason at all. You mm-hmm. know, maybe it's like a, you know, a frame issue or a headset issue or a seat or saddle or seat post issue. I mean, make sure that you know all of those things because you a, don't want to by somebody's problem, but B, you can actually use that to your advantage if it's a pretty simple fix. Um, yeah, and you might want to Google the brand of bike that you're buying too so that you don't end up in poor Matt's situation. <laughs> you need to, you'd, you'd, you'd Google Trek fork breaking and probably, you know, Matt's YouTube video would come up very first thing. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be like, yeah. all right, maybe need to reconsider this decision. On yeah. Have any of you guys ever You know, had- that, would, that would be a tricky one to, that would have been a tricky one to catch. I don't think that no, there was think. a ton of, you know, people that had had the same issue. Um, but there was some issues, but these are kind of very subtle issues that like the way that if you, you have to like tighten the bolts in a specific pattern, it was like, but you, but there was no documentation for that. Like even like Trek mechanics didn't know about it specifically, but there was, it was one of those things where I was like, Oh, send me that documentation. And then it never happened. Like it's one of those things where it's like very tricky to find some of the TT bikes are really notorious for this, right? Like Jake, you've worked on a lot of TT bikes. They're, they're not easy. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a fun situation. And so for our triathlon crowd, you've been warned, I guess. Yeah. Well, and this is where, you know, I mean, once you're on the used market for triathlon bikes, this is where I tell people, and I've been on the market for used triathlon bikes, you, you got to be careful because, uh, one, most triathletes are not wonderful mechanics. That's just a solid stereotype. That's a true stereotype. And two, a lot of people do a lot of indoor cycling on their triathlon bikes, and that means that there's going to be a lot of corrosion to certain parts. Yep, rust. Yeah, a lot of rust, a lot of sweat rust. And I mean, that's like, I'll be completely honest, I'm never going to sell my shiv to anybody because of the dangers I know in that seat post. And also, too, that bike has just been absolutely abused on a trainer for way too long. So would other people maybe sell that bike? Possibly. So you need to be more critical when you're buying a triathlon bike yeah especially on like ebay or anywhere like that or and i don't it might that might go past triathlon bikes right like people that have had they're like oh this doesn't have very many outdoor miles and you're like okay (laughs) i'd I'd almost rather you tell me this thing's only been ridden outside to be like awesome cool (laughs) i'd rather buy that bike because i'm like you i'm not going to ever sell this trek bike it's been through you know hell in a handbasket and it's going to sit on the trainer the rest of its life and that's great Mm -hmm. like it's got a great spot and i just can't i mean i don't want to ever take the risk of it being a you know someone else's crash situation or whatever so yep and that's that's an awesome stance to take i just wish that everybody on the face of this <laughs> yeah, planet we, we all know that, carried that same sentiment that. exactly so there's bi- bikes are dangerous i mean inherently dangerous there it's a wonderful sport one of the greatest in my opinion in the world and it's riding a bicycle's magical experience it can also be a really not magical experience yeah, exactly. so yeah so, matt would you say that chester heater would uh sell that bike in an oh, instant absolutely 
um, he probably gives someone a sweet deal on that bike and then, you know, <laughs> pat him on the back and probably, a, you know, probably like take the skewer out of the wheel as they leave. He's a mean guy. <laughs> Love it. Um, another thing that you want to do is let Google be your friend. Google that bike. Find out if there's common problems or issues or wear items or issues of getting parts for that bike. Cause Part recalls in the past. Exactly. Too, yep. You know, there are certain manufacturers, specialized, um, that like to Canyon. have that have a lot of proprietary parts on their bike, and sometimes those can be really difficult to get. BMC Time Machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even just old bikes, you can't find parts for a lot yeah, of them Yeah, that's anymore. true. That's where you start have to dig on the... Uh, it's like mechanical shift. You're like, nope, okay, we're past. Yeah. <laughs> rim brakes what yeah. yeah elijah what year were you born uh 2003 2003 see that bike behind you my god no the other side three that bike is 23 Ooh. years older than you it just came in today to get service so <laughs> think you can find all the parts for that bad boy no, i don't know where i could find <laughs> i think there were like proteins that. that used to ride to cars yeah i think i think there were conti proteins that used to ride that bike uh, this really nice woman brought that in and she and her husband have these matching takara bikes and it, that is awesome yeah they bought them in 1980 according to her so down tube shifting yeah i mean stuff simple is just like tires like the old Schwinn tires, I don't know, like the different measuring systems. Yeah. You, you, it's hard to find those. Yeah, it's not a 700C tire. You have to get something specific. And I, I can get those, but they're not always readily available. Yeah. I mean, Crazy. you're talking about speed ca- you know, cassettes, too. It's yeah. like, obviously, we're not on eight-speed anymore. Two-speed yeah. cassette. Yeah, two-speed. <laughs> Fast so and slow. Ap- so after you've done all that other stuff, one other thing that I would recommend is when you're speaking with the buyer, ask them to share the serial number of the bike with you. And if they start mm-hmm. throwing paws at you or like, oh, I'm not going to send you my serial number because you're going to steal it. Well, chances are that's what they did to get that bike. And they don't want yep. you to be putting said numbers into the bicycle stolen bike, yeah. the stolen bicycle registry. Um, that's a pretty common thing right now. Um, I'm, I'm dealing yes. with that because we had somebody break into the lab. They stole several bikes from us. Mm-hmm. Um, thankfully, we do have all of the serial numbers that are registered, and I had to provide all of those to the police department. They're all, they've all gone into the stolen bike registry. And um, in talking with the police department, she, the, the lady that I was dealing with, she was super nice, but she was like, you have no idea how much of a problem theft is right now, and bicycles seem to be one of the biggest things that have been been being stolen in yep. recent months and through over this past year during COVID. She said that it's really spiked up. So um, people are looking for a quick buck and, and bikes are a pretty simple way to go out there and make a, a few bucks. I mean, you've got some of these bikes that are thousands and thousands of dollars. So if yep. you find one and you want to undercut the market and sell it cheap, I mean, you can go make yourself a quick thousand bucks really quick and simple. So mm-hmm. for your less savory people out there, they're going to um, look for that quick buck and bikes yep. are the way to do it. Yep. So where do you take that serial number? The, there's a website, the uh, Stolen Bicycle Registry, if I'm not mistaken, is what it's called, or Bicycle Registry or whatever. Um, I can I can uh, maybe add that to the, the show notes on this for people That's, to check That would it, be a good show notes, yeah, yeah But if, if you use Google, that Google machine, have you heard of Google before? I have. Okay. Twice. Yeah. This thing called Google, if you put that in there, it should populate and give you a little yeah. place that you can click on. This thing called a link. If you mm-hmm. click on the link... Do you, do you kids young and young kids you young whippersnappers like, know about you the links? Tap it with your finger. Yeah, <laughs> I've been I've been scanning the 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 roads of Vancouver as I ride around to make sure there's not some guy in, you know, boots and jeans riding an SLR01 <laughs> not clipped in with no helmet. Be like, where'd you get that, buddy? No, yeah. I don't think I. <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah, friend of the team and a friend of the shop, and, and he rides with us uh, regularly. His name um, is Kevin. I'll just well, Kevin Gillis. He, yeah. He, he listens to the podcast as well. He actually just purchased um, a brand new. We just did a custom build for him on a, the neon yellow team machine SLR01, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful bike. I mean, it's a top shelf bike with all super nice stuff on it. And the, the problem is, is that was one of the bikes that was stolen. Oh, gosh, exactly <laughs> like that. He's like, I've been so nervous riding this around that somebody's going to like jump me into like try and turn me into the police for stealing this bike. Cause I mean, we've, we've sold three of the, in that particular color and yeah. Um, and now, now one's missing and it's just like, ugh, was you know, he on that, uh, like 60 mile or a few weeks yeah. weekends ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that bike and I was, I was tempted to float back to the back of the group and like, come talk to that buddy. Like, yeah. hey, is that <laughs> one of the bikes? <laughs> He's like, it's a 56. It's not I a 54. Don't, I don't think the guy that stole the bikes would go <laughs> on a dialed group ride right <laughs> after. Ballsy move, yeah. <laughs> hey, that almost be a reverse psychology movie. It'd be like, there's no way that's the same bike. Yeah. <laughs> it's too obvious. It's not obvious. Yeah. yeah. Um, one other thing too, while you're thinking about purchasing a bike, would you guys right now, if you were to go out and buy a bicycle, would you buy a rim brake bike still? No. No? No. Matt, would you? Um, the old, I mean, the answer is no, but I think, you know, there, there's an argument for um, time trial bikes and what you're going to use it specifically yeah. for that you could say, like, rim brakes are faster in some situations. They're lighter weight in some situations. Uh, there's an argument to be made if you're looking to buy a bike for something very specific. I'm thinking like uphill TT race or something weird like that, where you're like, yeah, you know, rim brake's going to be a, a better option. Um, but that's true. If you live me, in the UK, me, no. yeah. If you live in the UK, those you are do those cool uphill, races, right? Oh, they're great races. Uphill all TTs. those, all those guys those are, are on rim cool. brake. Yeah, you should be. They're lighter and absolutely. You know, they're probably trying to. I mean, they're paying very close attention to. Um, weight of the entire bike as a whole and, and yeah that's weight weenie to a whole new level right yeah. sure so for the average joe though um the yeah. person we'll, we'll call him more of a fair weather rider somebody that's going to dust the bike <clears throat> off and start riding it probably we'll say sometime in may or june and they're going to ride it again until maybe the end of september what do you think about those people wanting to go with a rim brake because those are it's going to be primarily affordable yeah it's going to be more affordable and that's what's readily available on the market right now like i've got a bunch of consignment bikes in here and i don't think i have a single one with disc brakes on it i think they're all no i take it back there's one with well uh, and rim brakes on there and rim and rim brake too is just i mean all of you know i one of these days i'm absolutely getting into the classic bike market where i want to you know invest more in steel frame bikes and i hope that those stay rim brake because they have to it's 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 the classic look well yeah 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 yeah, (laughs) well we'll see we'll see when i'm in that market what what's considered classic Uh, the the slr might be a classic bike by that point but yeah i mean like steel frame bikes are always going to obviously have rim brakes so if you want to have a more classic looking bike you'll always go in that market just know though if you are going to buy a rim brake bike that you should not be paying the same kind of market value as what a disc brake bike would be because you're paying for older technology that is um a lot of manufacturers just don't even make them anymore as a matter of fact bmc this year they don't offer even a frame set they were making frame modules up until i think last year if i'm not mistaken or maybe the year before same with track yeah Yeah, everything's disc brake now so which kind of makes yeah. me scratch my head as to the, the pro tour riders are still like yeah. balking at the idea of riding on rim brakes and they're demanding, I'm sorry, balking at the idea of riding on a disc brake and they're still demanding a rim brake. And um, a lot of the manufacturers are going to have to what, go make a special frame module for that person. Weren't a lot of the Colnago bike, was it Pojakar's bike last year? Was it rim brake, right? Yeah. Pogaccio was on a rim brake and there was yeah. a few, there's still, there's still some people in the Peloton that are riding on rim brakes. So yeah. I know that cracks me up whenever I, I was seeing all those memes yesterday where they were like, yeah, the only guy in the pellet, you know, the only 
team on the, the tour that's mostly riding rim brakes was UAE, and they're like, oh, they won the tour. It's like, that has nothing to do with it. You're, yeah, you could put Pogacar on a, anything. It wouldn't matter. He could put him on no brakes, and I'm sure he'd figure it out and win still. <laughs> All right, let's say you guys have decided on your bike. You found your platform. You found a bike. You've got somebody that you're going to buy it from. And let's just say for all intents and purposes, we're going to buy it locally. And you get to actually go look at the bike. You show up. Person rolls the bike out. It's what you've been looking for. What are you going to start looking at? What things are you guys personally going to look for when you're going to be um, testing out this bike and checking it out before you make a purchase? Frame fractures. Frame fractures. Okay, that's an excellent place to start. I'd say group set damages. That's awesome. Yeah. Like worn. Like if it's sitting on the trainer for a long time, it's going to get worn. And I mean, I mean I'd pro- I'm bring I'd probably my- be a chain measure. I don't want to, I'm going to bring my dad into this. Uh, yeah. his, his TT bike that I used this last week and it sits on the trainer a lot. Sure. And I'm going to say that, that chain and that group that has not been washed in probably since the last time you took it outside. But Elijah, <laughs> it sits inside. It doesn't yeah, it, get dirty. I don't ride it outside. I mean, it, it gets dusty and it gets <laughs> yeah. sweaty. You and would be amazed at how much crap. A chain yes. will pick oh, up sitting I wouldn't inside take on my the shiv to a race unless literally my other TT bike just disappeared. Like I, yeah. that, that <laughs> bike is disgusting. I so mean, I, I usually take a towel to the chain before every ride. Mm-hmm. And I took a towel, towel to the chain on the TT bike and yep. it's just like, I, it couldn't slide through. It was like grabbing the towel. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. I mean, chains that are worn that much, there could be a cassette or chain ring damages yeah that that's cost exactly what i was going to get to like if a chain's starting to get a little bit stretched and it needs to be changed i mean that's something that you can definitely use to your advantage when you're negotiating the price of the bike because if you've got to go put a new chain on if it's a say an old taker chain that you can't find anywhere right now for less than a million dollars mm-hmm. um you know that's going to cost you 35 40 45 bucks for the chain but um and you can negotiate that in it but if the chain's super stretched and you put the chain checker on there and it's showing oh my gosh this thing is like more than double what it's supposed to be falls straight through yeah, exactly you those <laughs> rollers in the chain what they're going to start doing is start eating into the teeth of the chain ring and the cassette and when you do that now you're talking about like teeth that don't have their normal look but they're going to have saw a sawtooth. they're going to have like a sawtooth a little bit of a, a crescent shape in there like a, sh- a shark tooth if you will mm-hmm. and then you've got a bike now that's not going to be shifting well you're going to causing chain drops chain sucks and, and all kinds of crazy things that are not going to make the bike pleasurable to ride now, not only are you having to change out a $40 chain, but you're going to have to put on, you know, a couple hundred dollars, possibly up to a couple hundred dollars in, mm-hmm. uh, um, in chain rings, and then maybe anywhere from 50 to $150 of a cassette. So these are little things that you need to know how to look for. Um, so, you know, for all intents and purposes, yes, by all means, bring a chain checker with you just so you can see what kind of care that person took of the bike. But then you need to have the, the keen eye to be able to look at those teeth and look at the front part not the back but the front part of the tooth to see if it's got that little crescent shape in there mm-hmm. that's going to tell you if that person's been religious about maintaining their bike and tuning it up and making sure that it's in good proper working order mm-hmm. if that's the case and it doesn't have those problems you can check that box this person probably took good care of this bike and it's probably going to be something that i'm not going to find any other issues on yeah evan touched on one like checking the frame and elijah started to talk about some of the um, other componentry if a person goes down on a bike it generally speaking is going to have a couple different impact points. Um, when a mm-hmm. person crashes the bike, you almost always see damage to the seat, the rear derailleur and the hoods. Those are like the, the yeah. main key things that always take the, the, the brunt of the, the forces. Those are just the, the exposed parts, if you will, sometimes the outer parts of the pedals too, but that's usually not that big of a deal. And a lot of times when you're buying a nice bike, the bike doesn't come with pedals anyway. So that's a moot point. So those are a couple of things also that you can look for in terms of if mm-hmm. somebody crashed, those are some things that you need to be mindful of. Yeah. 
if that rear derailleur has a scuff on there, there's a good chance that that rear derailleur hanger is going to be replacing bent. the hanger. Yeah, you're going to be <laughs> either need to true or replace that hanger. Yeah. And, and those things are soft alloys. They're meant to bend on purpose because it's a lot less expensive to replace a $25 to $35 rear derailleur hanger than it is to replace a, a frame set that could cost a couple thousand dollars. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, it's not the end of the world, but you do need to be mindful of that. If the derailleur hanger is bent, you can replace it. Not a big, not a big price tag, but you're probably still going to check out the frame to make sure that there's nothing going on there from a excessive yeah. impact. So, anything that you can think of, Matt, that you're going to check for when you go to buy a used bike? Oh yeah, definitely. I think what I would suggest, you know, for us to get across to listeners is, you know, I think a lot of the people that listen to the Dial Podcast are very familiar with bikes. They they kind of get what they should look for, but if by chance you're not super bike savvy and you you know happened upon this podcast because you saw the title was you know buying used bikes and that's something that you want to do my biggest suggestion and i always tell people this is you know bring a friend who knows a lot about bikes because mm-hmm. they're going to be able to steer you through a lot of these kind of hurdles and when we start talking about the chain stay and all these things and if you're like oh i don't know what the heck they're talking about they you know, they've gone way complicated or way more complicated than what I'm familiar with. Um, hopefully you didn't turn off the podcast because the one tip of bringing your friend who knows a lot about bikes is I think extremely valuable because what you'll find is that, you know, even if it's not your best friend that knows a lot about bikes, these weirdos that do like bikes, they actually like going to look at bikes. It's such a weird little thing. Like, you know, yeah, I'm too busy for this. I'm too busy for that. Oh, we're going to go look at a bike. I got time. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's just a fun, <laughs> it's a fun thing to do. Yeah. And this is like, it's a, it's a helpful thing too, right? Like there, there is, you know, you are this expert in this small little thing and you want to, you do want to go over all these little things. Like you want to go over the entire frame and there's certain spots on the frame that are more likely to have cracks in it. Uh, and, and that stuff is like, great. It's insider baseball information, but it's, this is the stuff that a lot of, you know, cyclists are going to know. And so um, I highly recommend you know, it doesn't have to be your best friend, but it could just be someone that you've ridden with or you've met through some sort of, you know, Facebook bike club or, you know, whatever it is. You reach out to a large group of people and say, hey, I, I don't know that much about bikes and I'm going to look at this bike. It's something that I think looks good to me, but I need I need some help. And I bet you someone will be like, hey, I have time to do this. Uh, and you could buy them a beer or whatever, like, you sure. know, like small yeah. payment there. And it'll save you a lot of, of work in the in the, you know, in the long term. And I also think... You know, um, a lot of the things that, you know, you guys mentioned, you know, like, oh, you may have to change out the cassette. You may have to change out the derailleur hanger. Like, you can negotiate if you see, like, oh, you measure the chain and it's like, there's, you know, there's that. And it's like, well, all the ch- all it is is the chain change, right? But, like, again, like, that's another negotiation point where it's like, hey, this chain needs to be replaced. Like, I know you said that you wanted $6,000 for this bike, but let's start working our way back towards something more reasonable because of A, B, C, D. And it's hard to argue when you start having, you know, all of these points like, oh, yeah, you're right. The chain does need to be changed. You, it, you know, it's such a nice little negotiation tactic to be like, and, and you'll see this in car buying, right? Where it's like, okay, well, we have to do all of these things. Like, you know, the price is going to have to come down. So um, not that not that I think that people should be like, you know, squirrely, weird, trying to like, you know, steal bikes from people or trying to devalue the bike or whatever. I just think it's like, you know what, this chain is going to have to be changed. Let's negotiate this part of the price and negotiating prices is part of the game. and It's part of the fun. And uh, I think you need to go into it with that kind of mindset. 
because, you know, you can get a really good bike and you can negotiate hard and get a really good price on some of these bikes when you're buying used. Yeah. It's just finding a fair price that works for everybody is exactly yep. where you mm-hmm. want to be. And Matt made some good points. And that actually leads me into my next thing is looking at the consumables. Like the, the main things that you're going to want to look at is tires. Do the tires have excessive yep. wear on there? Are there cracks? Are there slits? Issues with those tires that you're going to have to change because mm-hmm. tires these days can be pretty stinking expensive. I mean, yeah. if you're going to put on... Even just a run-of-the-mill tube tire, you're going to be spending anywhere from 35 to 65 bucks. And if you want to go tubeless yeah. or you need to replace a tubeless tire, you could be paying upwards of like 85, 90, 95 bucks if you're getting or having to pay full retail for the price. Which in this day and age, with short supply and everything, manufacturers, dealers, and everybody, or you know, bike shops, they're selling stuff for full price because they don't have bikes to sell, and that's yeah. that's cutting into their um, their overall gross sales for the year, and that's less money that they're going to make, so they're going to have to make that up somehow. So they're mm-hmm. selling all the consumables at, at full retail price. Yeah. Um, so tires was one. The chain, we already talked on that. Brake pads on both rim brake and disc brakes. I mean, you've got to be able to check those things out, make sure that there's life left in them, and if they need to be changed, that's something that can be negotiated in there as well. And then bar tape, just little things like bar tape. Bar tape can cost you 40 bucks. If you don't know how to wrap bars, you're going to probably pay another 25 or 30 bucks for somebody to wrap the bars for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that could be something that's going to cost you 50 to $100, depending upon what you're getting and where you're taking it. And even if you do take it into a bike shop, it might be something where you don't get your bike back for a week or two, depending upon how busy the bike shop is. So mm-hmm. maybe somebody can, maybe somebody on this this podcast with us can do a, a, a YouTube video about wrapping bars. <laughs> oh, I'm hilariously bad at that. I've done it myself multiple times and I'm, I'm amazingly awful at wrapping my own bar tape, but <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised at how easy it is to wrap it backwards. I do you know there's a oh, direction. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there, there's a... Yep. So, um, those are cons- a few things. What are some other consumable stuff? Can you, are, am I forgetting anything here? No, I think you nailed basically what, what, what I think the crux and most important portion is. Yeah. Yeah. And if, uh, if you're getting that really nice TT bike too, make sure that you, uh, ding them a few bucks for it, not having a kickstand on there. Right. Uh, exactly. You don't want your TT bike to fall over. And also the fact there's just a TT bike too. So I mean, there <laughs> yeah. is uh cables, cables fraying. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Cables um, and housing. Yeah. Yep. yep. That's good points. Good points. Yeah. You should um, probably check like the shifting and brakes just in general when you get, you should probably pull them a little bit. Make sure. So, you can another question that you can always ask too is like how has this bike been serviced and usually it's going to be one of two things like oh i take it into my local bike shop or i do my own service and really if the person does their own service um that's where having somebody there with you who kind of knows what they're talking about can kind of validate that because some people are truly gifted and solid mechanics and they can do a lot of their own work. And, you know, if you're in their garage and you kind of see their setup and you see all of their bike specific tools and, and it seems like they've done a good job, then yeah, you can probably take it on face value. But if it's somebody that doesn't know up from down and they're telling you that they do their own service, you can start to sniff that out. And if you've got somebody there with you who can uh, help you sniff that out, that will definitely help as well. But if they're saying that they took it to a local bike shop, usually they can have receipts or maybe even be worth like even contacting the local bike shop and, and seeing if you can take it in for an inspection just to see where it's worth or where, where it's at. And the local bike shop should be able to do that for you in a reasonable amount of time. And they can even give you a little bit of history on the bike if the person that you're buying the bike from is okay with that. And that's really a good way to get peace of mind. Now, you're probably not going to do that for a bike that's going to cost three, four, five, six hundred bucks. But if it's a bike that you're spending a few thousand dollars on, maybe it was like a $10,000 bike that you're spending four or $5,000 on, that might not be a bad idea just to get in yeah. touch with a local bike shop just to see if you can get a little bit of history on the bike. So absolutely. It's completely worth it. I mean, I, I bought a car recently. Yeah. Uh, and the week after I bought it, 
all the catalytic converters had to be replaced. Oof. So, I mean, I just bought this, I bought this car and had to put 1500 bucks into it. And then more problems started to come. But I mean, if I took it to like a mechanic right, yep. right before I bought it, it would have totally avoided that. Yeah. yeah. Buying other good people's problems. Lessons, Elijah. That's okay. <laughs> Elijah's learned a lot of good life lessons here. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of good early ones. <laughs> so everything checks out now and everything's looking good. And, and the next thing you're going to want to do is get a leg over that bike. And you're going to want to take it for a quick test spin. Mm-hmm. And probably going to have to hand over like a driver's license or something like that. And hopefully you brought a pair of shoes and some pedals that are going to work for that bike. And, and your helmet. Don't forget your helmet. You get over, uh, you get a leg over that bike and you go take it for a ride. Is there anything in particular that you guys are looking for on that bike or listening for? When you do a test ride, yeah, your bottom bracket. Just as Elijah was talking about that, that, that so annoying. You really can't test a bottom bracket until it's under actual true pressure, sure. really. So that's that's going to be your first bit. Is how old is this bottom bracket, and was it properly greased before it was put in? Yep. So I'd say heading towards a hill. Yeah, try, try to go up a hill. Go because up you might not hill. hear it on the flats. Exactly. Yeah, that, you're you're going to need to be under some tension. Exactly. That's one of the 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 check boxes on my list here is uh, ride the bike under load. So find a hill, or you can even get out of the saddle apply the brakes and, and ride against the brakes. And that should give you a yeah. little bit of noise there as well, which you might want to do instead of immediately go up a hill, because I'd really make sure your brakes are solid before you go and need, yep. to, need to do a descent <laughs> right after that. So I'd, I'd stop hard at a couple stop signs to yeah. make sure that you're good. So I'm going to rifle through this list real quick, just so we don't get too long in this, but um, a couple things that you're going to look for. The first and foremost thing, like Evan just said is brakes. Mm-hmm. That's probably the most important because you want to be able to stop. Yep. <laughs> so you want to feel Firm and quiet brakes. If you're on disc brake bikes, you want it to be firm. You don't want to be grabbing the bar, or the the brakes, and haven't come all the way to the bar. And you're like this bike isn't stopping. It must go into Fred Flintstone mode here. Um, the second thing is the bike should be absolutely quiet. So if the bike is absolutely quiet, chances are it's in good shape and it's it's you know not needing tuning it's not needing uh bottom bracket replaced or things of that nature um clean shifting making sure that it's indexing perfectly and and um you're you're hitting all your spots and it's not overshooting or undershooting or dropping chains uh that's gonna be pretty important and then the headset um this will probably be something that i want to check before i get on the bike but if you grab the brakes and you sit on the top tube or the saddle or it's probably easier to sit on the top tube you're going to grab the brake sit on the top tube so that yep. you have pressure on the brake and see if you can actually get any rocking sensation out of the head set and that's where basically you know the the tube that connects to the fork comes up through the frame and that's called your head tube and then you're supposed to tension that all together and it's all supposed to lock in so that it doesn't rock around and you don't want it to rock because it's going to destroy the bearings and and ultimately it could actually cause issues with the bike being able to stop if you're hitting the brakes hard or whatnot you don't want to snap a steer tube no so those are uh, a couple things that i would like to look for um when doing a test ride um and before actually getting a leg over the bike anything else that you guys can think of matt you got anything on this um, I think that that's pretty much covers a lot of it. You know, if you're new to this stuff, don't, I mean, it seems weird, but like, don't expect that you're going to go get to try a bike that's going to have pedals. I know that sounds really odd because you're thinking like, I'm going to go mm-hmm. test this bike. I'll yeah. hop on there and, and ride it without, and of course you're going to forget your helmet or whatever. And maybe this comes to, you know, our listeners that are selling these bikes or whatever it is. But like a lot of these, you know, people are new to cycling and they don't get that you're supposed to bring your own pedals. Um, but that's a nice little tip, like bring your own pedals if you can. If not, hopefully they're willing to, you know, let you try with something. Uh, a lot of times these pedals are clip-in pedals, so you don't want to go try a bike and, and try clipping in for the first time. Like, that's a big mistake. You really want, like, some flat pedals or something like that to test bikes um, so that you're you're not learning to clip in on a bike that you're, you're going down. to yeah. go down on. Basically. Yeah, that should be number rule. Rule number one is you ride flat pedals until you own a bicycle. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's 
just just little things like that where it's like there's there's learning experiences to all this stuff. None of us are born with this information. We all figured it out. We all a lot of us figured it out the hard way. Um, so you know, ask a lot of questions. Ask your buddies that know this stuff. Uh, there's you a lot too. for you to learn too. Even as you're even as you're like looking before you even go to the bike to look at it, you should probably know like what size bike you need and things like that. So um, there's there's some learning. There's some research that you need to do uh, for that kind of thing. So, sure. um, you need, you need to kind of know, like you can get some ideas, like knowing your height, uh, will give you a good idea of what size bike you should get. That'll at least narrow it down a little bit. It won't, won't make it perfect, but that should be a, a good starting place. Gotcha. All right. A few other things. Um, we did mention this, Evan mentioned earlier about checking the carbon frame, but you want to check all of the joints in the low bearing areas, just to make sure that there's no cracks or anything in there that looks like it's a little bit fishy. Uh, make sure that there's no, like, you know, paint chips or dings or scratches or gouges or anything like that um you know so check your bottom bracket and your seat collar and the drops um a couple other minor options or things to check would be spin the wheels see if they're true make sure that there's not a big wobble in there um you want to make sure that the wheels are aligned with the center line of the brake or the, the bike so you want to make sure that the seat tube the one that goes all the way down into the bottom bracket um, make sure that the, the wheels lined up with that and same thing with the front wheel make sure that it's lined up with the down tube you don't want it to be um improperly dished you know basically to one side or other or having it be wobbly especially on a rim brake because if it's a rim brake and you've got an untrue wheel or a broken spoke it's not going to allow you to stop properly um, a couple other things uh, look at just it, it doesn't take long but just kind of glance over and look at all the bolts make sure that they're not rusted or stripped because if uh, that's the case they could be seized or they might be something that might be very difficult to get out um, you can check the spoke tension you don't have to actually take a spoke tension gauge with you but you can just run around and feel them and if, if there's some that feel a little bit off there's a chance though that you might need to take the, uh, the wheel in to get it um, fixed um wear indicators on rim brakes so the rim brake bikes actually have most of them have like a little hole or a little dot in there and when the, the wheel actually wears down the, the metal will wear down over the course of time when it gets flush with that little dot or that dot's gone um, you know that that wheel's done and you need to get rid of it and you probably should work that into the negotiation of your your bike price because that wheel's eventually going to give out and that's not going to be pretty times um Look at the, uh, the, the spoke nipples where the spoke actually screws into. Make sure that those things aren't stripped from being over-tightened. Or if they are, then that could be kind of a hassle to have to snip the spoke and put a whole brand new one in there. Um, you want to make sure that your brake levers are nice and snappy. So when you pull them in and you release them, that you want them to snap back into place pretty quickly as opposed to being slow or having some sort of drag in there so that uh, it doesn't allow you to have good proper braking power. And then, um, just like we mentioned earlier, make sure there's no unusual or excessive tire wear. You don't want to see flat spots or gouges or people that have patched stuff or whatnot. doesn't mean that you necessarily need to take the whole tire apart and inspect the inside, but just look for stuff that just might seem a little atypical. So that's about it for my, my checklist. Is there anything else that you guys would like to add to this? Did I miss anything? No? I mean, uh, with the bike that I have right now, I, did took, I, I took a spill last thanksgiving uh-huh um and i know it's a carbon bike and you, you saw i brought it in yeah you. the fork was chipped and i mean there there's some there's some scratches and stuff on carbon that looks like it might just be uh superficial yeah but cosmetic, i mean it, it yeah. could be totally different it could be yeah. compromised and it could snap at you on some point so. yeah so there are companies out there here in the portland area we actually have a company called ruckus composites and they do a fantastic mm -hmm. job now the problem with them is they're really backlogged because they do such a good job, but they're not cheap at all. I think it's like 
gosh, what is it like four or five, 600 bucks usually to get carbon wow. repaired, which yeah. if you start thinking about like, all right, well, is it better to pay the four or five, 600 bucks and, and get my bike repaired or, you know, buy a new frame? Well, a new frame set, either A is going to be hard to get or B, yeah. thousands of dollars. So, mm-hmm. um, you got to have to weigh that out, but that's definitely a good place to go. And usually you can take it in. If you've got a question like Elijah, you can take it in and have them do an x-ray. They have doesn't that cost money as well? It's not like a hundred bucks. Yeah, I think it's like a hundred or two hundred dollars somewhere in there. But the thing is, is if you go in there, get the X-ray, and then you decide that all right, I do need to have this fixed, then they'll apply that to the cost of um, the repair. But if it doesn't need to be fixed, now at least you have peace of mind, and that's what you're paying for is peace of mind. And if you have something where they're signing off on it, and, and there is a, a cosmetic damage to the carbon fiber frame, and you want to sell it, and you don't want to get it fixed, that's something that you can present to the buyer. Say, yes, it, it's scuffed or whatever. Put a sticker over it. It's fine. Here's something from Ruckus Composites that's going to tell you that the bike is fine as well. And now you can, you know, maybe take a little bit of a ding on the the sale of the bike, but at least you can get the bike sold. Mm-hmm. So. Um, there are a lot of bike shops out there. Um, we've been doing this for a while, but I've actually caught wind of a few others that are starting to do some consignments because they just can't get themselves uh, new bikes. So having a bike that uh, a shop that does consignments might not be a bad place to look as well. Um, usually, like here at the lab, we'll actually take the bike through a full um, inspection. We'll do a full detail. We'll do a full tune on the bike. We'll take care of everything. But what the, the buyer gets out of that is um, a relationship with the shop. They know that they're buying it through a, a program where the bike is going to be, you know, for lack of a better term, certified. And we actually here will actually provide a three-month service warranty on the bike too. So if for any reason, like your shifting is a little bit off or something's a little askew or whatnot, um, you can bring it back and we'll take care of that in the first three months. So that might not be a bad place to look to. Go check out your local bike shop and see if they've got anything going on. And ask them too, if they don't, like, hey, I'm looking for this kind of bike. You'd be amazed at how many people those people know. And they've got great networks and maybe mm-hmm. they want to reach out to them. And maybe they can help uh, connect the dots and get a bike sold to you. So support your local bike shop. <laughs> Anything else on that that topic, you guys? All right, let's move on. Let's jump into one last thing. Um, Matt, what is in the pipeline with uh, Matt Legrand and the, uh, the yeah. YouTube? Um, so I did a video last week, um, as I mentioned before, about the Coros Pace 2. Awesome watch. It's kind of an affordable triathlon watch for uh-huh. those of us that don't want to spend you know, their uh, retirement funds on triathlon watches. <laughs> uh, the next video that's coming down the pipeline, I have two things that I'm working on, at least. I've got a lot, a lot more than that. But the uh, Wahoo Element Bolt is a bike computer that I've been using for almost exactly a year right now. Yeah. Uh, I would like to make a video on that talk about durability of that bike computer, you know, my personal experiences, as well as like, you know, buying recommendations. So, uh, you know, even though I've had an amazing experience with that, that particular unit, it's at the end of the video, I'm going to talk about like reasons why I would hesitate to recommend it to, you know, everyone out there. Uh, and then uh, in addition to that, one of my YouTube friends, which hearing myself say that, like, oh, one of my YouTube friends, it sounds pretty <laughs> cool, pretty cool. Uh, You're so awesome, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, so this guy that I've been following, and we we go back and forth. We're we're buddies, sort of, right? But it's like we're just a YouTube friend. And um, he is doing this charity ride this summer where he's riding a kilometer for every mile that they do at the Tour de France. So he's doing his own stage race. Super cool, amazing guy. I love his cinematography. Uh, Just a good person. And so I'm going to interview him. I think I'm going to interview him tomorrow. I don't know exactly when I'm going to post that video, uh, but he's raising money for um, you know a, a hospital in 
England that deals with a lot of cancer patients, and his wife just went through all of this cancer oh. stuff. And so, yeah, it's um, it's actually a pretty cool situation. And so, uh, I'm really excited to talk to him. I haven't talked to him in about a year or so, maybe. I mean, like we chat all the time, but we haven't like done a you know formal chat or whatever. I have had him on my uh, channel in the past, uh, but I'm excited to chat with him. And so I think that that video will go live pretty quickly as well. So I'm not sure which one of those videos is going to come out first, um, but you know, they're, they're coming out soon. Awesome. Looking forward to them. Yep. Cool. Evan. Um, everybody follow St. George this weekend. It's going to be a fun race. I'll have my Ironman tracker. I've heard it's on Facebook live, but I have a course this weekend that's coming to the clinic from uh, the Rehab to Perform group, which is a good friend of mine out of the D.C. area, is bringing a sports med class here, so it's going to be a blast. And uh, that's going to be my weekend, and then right back to work Monday. What kind of interactions are you going to have on this? Are you going to be speaking, or are you just going to be here? No, I'm, I'm, I'm a student in the course, actually. I'm just hosting it, basically. But, yeah, it's, awesome. it's Anthony is going to be the, the, the guru for the course. Cool. Right on. Elijah, one last thing. And, and I want you to make sure that you plug this new website that I, I stumbled onto. But what's oh, your one last yeah. thing today? Um. I forgot about that. So I have two quick things. Go for it. Uh, one of them is I just saw on Instagram the other day, SRAM released Rival Axis. Yep. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's really cool. It's uh, bringing some pretty cool stuff to a, a lower price point that yeah, more people can absolutely. afford. Absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, uh, I just started a business. It's called Unbounded Sports. Basically, I'm just selling outdoor products uh, such as uh, mountain biking, road biking, skis, wake surfing running all that kind of jazz and uh so yeah i'm just selling products like that and my website is unboundedsports.com nice and actually this morning i made a discount code is dialed 15 wow all caps no spaces um so that'll get you 15 percent off and yeah just it'd be awesome if you guys could check it out yeah, check them out on instagram too you're on yeah instagram too if i'm yeah. not mistaken uh, unbound at unbounded sports unbounded sports yep. gotcha Cool. Good luck with that, my friend. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming in today. Um, my one last thing is um, Lance and I did a video comparing the Wahoo um, lineup. I, it, we were most notably talking about the Wahoo Realm because that's what both of us were using. Um, and we we're comparing that to the Garmin Edge 530 and the Garmin Edge 830. And um, we should have that out. I have about 70% edited. We've been done with that video for, gosh, we probably filmed it three or four weeks ago. And I've just been so stinking busy that I haven't had time to... Get it finished and wrapped up, but we will hopefully have that out this weekend. And then um, I would like just, again, extend a formal invitation to all the local people here to come out and do the flogging ride. That's been a blast, a uh, nice little fun race pace workout. And it's been kind of neat watching a lot of new people come out that maybe have never raced before or been very timid or maybe they're new to cycling and they wanted to try something different. And just looking at the, their faces when it's all said and done, they're having a blast. They're getting a great workout. And I love seeing that. It's a good time. So... On that note, thank you everybody for coming in today. Matt, appreciate your time. I know that you're a busy man. Elijah, <laughs> I appreciate you, uh, um, I don't want to say this, but I don't know, maybe uh, taking a little bit of time away from school. Playing I think hooky. Okay, you said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> and Evan, for his time, uh, he's just already left and he's going out to work with his vacation. So uh, we will catch everybody next week. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.